So it's, it's an immediate change that happens right away when you go on, when your products go on sale, when you've updated your podcast episode or your blog post or anything like that, all this information will update on Pinterest. So it stays new and fresh, but the content stays on there for years. And so you can get traffic to these blog posts, podcast episodes, products, anything like that for years and years to come. Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal about automation, getting leads, retargeting and sales funnels, you know, the stuff that'll actually make you money and doesn't empty your wallet. Get valuable, actionable information from me and other experts in the online marketing space, which will boost your business beyond its current boundaries. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hello, yes, we're back again. This is episode 25, and you are listening to the Get Real About Business podcast. Every week, we take a look at entrepreneurial life and running a small business with a view to give you some education and some tips around how you can grow your business and make more money. I'm going to change from what I said in the previous episode. We won't be looking at video marketing today. Apologies for that. We'll come back to that early in the new year. Instead, we're going to be taking a look at Pinterest. Today, I have my guest, Catherine Morehouse, with me. Catherine is the founder of CatherineMorehouse.com and a leading expert on Pinterest marketing for your business. Prior to doing that, she was founder of children's clothing brand, Zoe and Logan, and she has degrees in both business management and marketing. When she's not eating donuts, which she loves to do, and you wouldn't know by looking at her, maybe you would me, but certainly not Catherine, when she's not eating donuts, then she runs her full-service Pinterest management business and provides consultation and training for her clients. Now, there are loads of people out there who say they can help you with your Facebook or Pinterest or whatever social media account. There are loads of people out there saying they can help you by growing it, by getting more followers and fans. And that is one aspect around using social media for your business. But what I'm more interested in is not just how you can grow your fan base, which is one thing, but actually how you turn that fan base into real paying clients. And this is where a lot of so-called social media experts fall down, but Catherine Morehouse seems to have it all sorted. And so what I wanted to do is to invite her on to come and talk with me and with you around how you can use Pinterest to not just expand your market reach, but also to expand the profits in your business. So today I'll be asking Catherine around who does well on Pinterest and what kind of businesses do well on that social platform. We get some tips around how you can use it generally. And then more importantly, we'll be getting into detail around three different types of sales funnels that you might be wanting to run, all of which stem from your Pinterest account. So we'll be looking at that today. A reminder, if you want to get hold of the show notes where you can get all the links and a cheat sheet, then you can go to my website at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 25. And just a quick note about this cheat sheet. What I've done for you is I've outlined, I've, I've drawn these different sales funnels that Catherine speaks about in this interview. I've drawn them up for you, mapped them out so that you can just download those and get them in a visual format. And the other thing that I've done is that we spoke very briefly in the interview about image sizes on Pinterest, but we didn't go into the, the sizes we just talk more generally about images. So what I've done is I've put down some Pinterest sizes for you. So if you're wondering what the latest sizes are, then you can go on the cheat sheet and get that. And the final thing that you want to pick up, and just as important as the rest, 
Catherine has put together a simple checklist, and I'm going to put the link to that on the show notes page. It's a checklist of the things that you need to be doing on your Pinterest account to get it to work for you. All of that on the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 25. But right now, though, let's jump into the interview. Here's me and Catherine Morehouse. Catherine, let me start with a really cheeky question. <laughs> Pinterest, that's just about sharing recipes and photos, right? It's not for <laughs> Oh, I love that. I think that's one of the things that I always get from everybody when they uh, start out with Pinterest. I love it because it's literally the question that always comes up, no matter who I'm talking to, <laughs> female, male, any industry. It's always, isn't it just recipes and DIYs, like how to fix your kitchen and <laughs> and do things like that? Yeah, the um, surely is the business platform. Surely not. <laughs> I think when they started Pinterest, they probably didn't think about the business side of it. I, I don't know. I guess I, I'm guessing here. Yeah. But a lot of it was with Pinterest, it was actually to take your physical corkboard that you had up on the wall with your vision of your life that you wanted, all of those ideas, everything that used to pin to that pin board, they now created virtually. So initially, I think it was a little bit of recipes, a little bit of home decor, a little bit of the lifestyle that you're dreaming of, you know, that vision board. Um, and I think that's where we all got this idea that it's only recipes, only DIY. But the question that we always have to ask is, some company is actually creating those recipes. So there is a business on Pinterest already. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And we don't think of it. We always think of it from the pinner's side, which is I'm seeing these beautiful recipes. I'm seeing these beautiful homes. And we don't see that it's interior decor, decor people. We don't see that it's places like BuzzFeed that are creating these recipes. We don't realize the actual other side of it. And that's not to say that it's only for recipes or DIY, like I mentioned, but um, it's interesting because we never shift that mindset to if we're seeing recipes, surely there's a business behind that that's putting those recipes up there. And that is the case with bloggers, business owners, even podcasters who talk about food. But Pinterest is more than just that. They actually have several categories. You have dentists on Pinterest. I know it sounds quite odd, <laughs> but, but you have all different kinds of industries from graphic designers, photographers, and it's not just image-based. The actual platform is image-based, but it's not just for industries that are creating images like wedding photographers. It's also for information um, companies, people who are sharing information, teaching people how to do things uh, so much. There's actually so many different industries. We could spend the entire day discussing them <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't help but think if you're a business you have to go where people are at now pinterest yeah. is one of the top 10 social media platforms isn't it? i know we tend to think facebook twitter and linkedin but pinterest is a very serious social media platform what why pinterest for you why did you choose that it's interesting because i i love all the social media platforms generally and i love the way that you can connect with your audience you can create an engaged audience and what really sparked my interest with pinterest was that not only did i love it as a pinner but as a business owner i started to see that it wasn't actually a social media platform it was a search engine so it was a visual search engine which already blew my mind beyond what i had already seen across all the other social media channels. And so for me, the reason why Pinterest is so important as a business owner 
and why I was attracted to it yeah. um, is because of the search engine functionality, that actual back end of what Pinterest does. Pinterest is like Google, except it's a visual search engine. So instead of getting text-based results, you are getting visual results in image format with the text obviously attached to that in metadata and then clicking through the links and all those lovely things that happen after that. But it gives you the visual results. And we know that as um, business owners and like, you know, we're seeing on social media, everything is visual. Everything is to do with images. We are consuming video content, image content, everything like that. So much more than we are text. Although we read blogs and although we, um, you know, enjoy that kind of content, a lot of it now is turning to visual content. And Pinterest does exactly that. I always say it's like Instagram and Google had a baby because it's <laughs> the, visual, <laughs> the visual side of Instagram, but it's the powerful back end of Google, which is the search engine. Yes. And now people can physically search for something and get the kind of content they want in the way they want it, which yeah. is in a visual way. And that's one of the real strengths of Pinterest, isn't it? I have to say that I am not a Pinterest expert at all. I, I've, I've got a Pinterest account and I've put a few pins up and that's as far as it's got. But I do understand that one of the big benefits of Pinterest is its powerful search engine. Now, you mentioned some of the, some of the types of businesses that, that are using Pinterest right now. Can you give us an idea, again, about what those businesses are and who Pinterest is not for? So Pinterest is for not only product owners or recipe creators. And so it's actually for people who are creating any form of content. So it doesn't really matter what industry it is. So again, I can say this, it can be a dentist. It can be someone whose industry you think would never be on Pinterest because they're creating content, they are on Pinterest. So anybody who creates some form of content, whether it's visual, audio, or video content, uh, written content, sorry. So those three types of content can go on Pinterest and it doesn't matter what industry it is. So you're actually seeing it across from the travel industry to accounting, to dentists, to podcasters about gardening, to um, marketers, everything. It's taken an entire array of industries. And as long as you're creating some form of content, like I mentioned, written, video, or audio, it has a place on Pinterest. And then, of course, there's a place for products as well. So those are really the four types of um, items that you would see on, on Pinterest if, if you want to look at it that way. Um, Pinterest is not for people who aren't creating any content, whether that's a product, a service, or any of those types of content that I mentioned. If you're not creating anything like that, then there won't be anything for you to present onto Pinterest or even put onto Pinterest. So you're not going to get the traffic back to your site if you're just putting on quotes, but it's not leading back to your site and it's not actually leading to any valuable content, then you're going to find that it's not going to convert at all. You also have nothing to put up. So you're going to just be pinning other people's content instead of your own. Yeah. And so then it's not as valuable for you. Essentially what you're saying, if you create content, whatever that content is, then it has a place on Pinterest. But if you're somebody who's just say runs a local retail should retail store or network marketer that doesn't have physical products that you can show and, and talk about, then uh, then that's not the right platform for you. 
Exactly. And one of the things that's really interesting now is Pinterest has just allowed us to start using our affiliate links on Pinterest before we couldn't. So a lot of affiliate marketers used to say, I have no place on Pinterest, even though I create content. But now if you're a store and you create, you have a blog, you have a place on Pinterest, even if it's a physical store. But if you have a physical store with no online store, with no way for anybody to actually get to a website, an online presence, then yes, it's, it is really tough. Yeah. That's one of the distinctions as well. I mean, you mentioned about Instagram having a baby with Google. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram only gives you one link, one clickable link. Whereas Pinterest, you can have as many as you want, yeah? As many as you want. And the thing is, with the actual URL, you are attaching it to a specific image. One of the most important things you can do is for each pin that you create. So a pin is an actual image that yes. goes onto Pinterest. So it's called a pin like you're pinning a picture from a magazine onto the cork board, except now you're pinning a picture onto a virtual board. And so this, this image allows you to actually attach some information to it. And one of those things is a URL to a website link. So if you write a blog, you have a Pinterest image that leads directly to that blog post and directly to an individual product. And so you actually get to, you don't, they don't have to jump through hoops, if I can explain it that way. On Instagram, you would have to say, take a look at my bio for the link of this product. But in two days time, that bio link has changed. And, and now they look at that, that Instagram image and they're like, where's this link? Yeah. yeah. So, and Yeah. It's very difficult to manage, isn't it? And you have to keep remembering to go back and update that link. It's, it's, it's very problematic. It is, and it becomes tough for the people who are following you who come in later and want to then take a look at those products you're selling because now they, can't, they have to actually go search your website for that product. Whereas with Pinterest, you can have that product image on Pinterest and it links directly to the product. One of the really great things is if you have a product, you can get rich pins for your product um, there's a couple of different kind of rich pins, but a rich pin actually allow, allows you to add extra metadata to this pin. So extra information, right. like the price of the pin. Okay. Wow. So if you have a product and you put it on Pinterest and you've enabled this, now remember, you don't have to do any extra work. You just have to simply add a little bit of code to your website. If you've got Squarespace, there's no code. You just enable buttons. <laughs> so they make it really simple for you. But once you've enabled it, you can actually show the price of your product, the name of your podcast. You can have an, a read it button. If it's a recipe, they're actually the ingredients on the recipe. So it's, it gives them more context to this pin. But if you have a product, it actually shows the price of the pin. And when it goes on sale on your website, website that automatically updates on Pinterest and says it's on sale. That's very clever, isn't it? It is. So it's, it's an immediate change that happens right away when you go on, when your products go on sale, when you've updated your podcast episode or your blog post or anything like that, all this information will update on Pinterest. So it stays new and fresh, but the content stays on there for years. And so you can get traffic to these blog posts, podcast episodes, products, anything like that for years and years to come. Yes. And we all think about sort of paid traffic and banner ads and things like that which are great and have their place and they get instant results which are pretty good but the, what they don't do is hang around forever and keep working for you which you know content marketing does pinterest does for you now i want to spend a little bit of time in fact i want to spend a lot of time today talking about strategy 
But before we get onto that, because I know that you are a, a whiz when it comes down to marketing funnels. Uh, before we get onto that, can you give us like a couple of minutes on just like get the basics right with Pinterest? And I know that you've got like a checklist that you're going to share with us later. So can you just give us a couple of minutes on this and then we'll go on to the marketing funnel? Perfect. Yes. Yeah. So with Pinterest, as I mentioned, it's a visual search engine. So you don't have to think um, it's too complicated when you get into it because a lot of times if you have a website, you're already working on your search engine optimization. So you're already making sure you have the right titles and everything. Now that will benefit you on Pinterest automatically. So anything you do on your website to improve your SEO is helping you on Pinterest. So you don't have to stress too much like it's going to be too much work or it's going to be too complicated. Um, the basic steps is obviously to set up a business profile on Pinterest. So it's different from a personal profile because it's going to give you access to the marketing tools that Pinterest has created, like analytics, which is extremely important in understanding your ideal client yeah. and how they actually interact with your content on Pinterest. And then it gives you obviously access to paid promotion, but with 90% of my clients, we don't even start a paid promotion in the first six months because there's no need. We've got organic traffic that we're building up. Um, so they only really go into paid traffic if they are going into a launch time and they decide they want to really level up. Other than that, the organic traffic over a period of six to 12 months is so fantastic. You don't have to use that. But it is there should you choose to use that with a business account. Yeah, so if you just so want to set things up, then you can just tap into that. Exactly. And I always say you always start out with the organic growth. You need to make sure that this pin is performing organically before you pay money into it. And that's a different mindset to when you do a Facebook ad, because you're obviously creating an ad specific for Facebook. And it's not necessarily a post that you're going to boost. Whereas on Pinterest, you want to get that organic traffic already with a promoted pin with an organic pin before you promote it. That's exactly. a whole different. <laughs> Although I would give the same advice around a boosted post on Facebook. Yes. Before yes. you boost, um, you know, you should give nothing. It has to do well. Exactly. It has to do well because it's proven content then, isn't it? No, definitely. Especially if you're going to boost the post on Pinterest. If you're going to go directly into ads, man I mean on Facebook, sorry. If you're going to go to ads manager on Facebook, you're going to create an ad from scratch that uses the information that you obviously um, are trying to sell. So whatever it is that you're going to want to get click-throughs on. So when you go straight into the Pinterest ads manager, you aren't going to add a pin, a new pin to it. They actually require you to have added the pin already natively into Pinterest exactly. before. Yeah. So it, so it, it gets that organic traffic and then you just, it kind of, it is, it's sort of like the boosting post on Pinterest. It's not like, you know, the other ads that you would do. I'm Sorry, I keep saying Pinterest, but I mean Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I can keep up with you. Hopefully, uh, anybody is going to keep up as well. <laughs> but how can I stand out? If I'm start to use Pinterest, yeah. everybody's using Pinterest. <laughs> Certainly a lot of people use Pinterest. How can <laughs> I stand out? One of the biggest ways that you can stand out, and I'm actually, sorry, I'm going to mention two because they are two most important things that you have to do on Pinterest. The first one is when you add a pin to Pinterest, it's to add in a handful. And when I say a handful, I literally mean two to three specific keywords that will be searched by your ideal client. So be, again, it's a search engine, as I mentioned. So you want your pin to show up in the search results. And the way that happens is when your ideal client types in a phrase or a word or something into the Pinterest search bar, 
pins will be shown. And Pinterest shows those pins using the keywords that you put in the pin description and across your profile. So selecting a handful of keywords for your business to use on Pinterest and then selecting content specific keywords is really important to add to your pin description. That's going to help you show up on Pinterest the most, more than I guess anything else that you're going to be doing. Um, so that you want to make sure that you show up in the first place because you can't attract attention or stand out if you haven't even shown up. Yes. Um, and so that's, that's the number one thing you have to do. You need to make sure that you're actually showing up in the feed. So you get found. Yes. Yeah. And you do that by using keywords in your pin descriptions. And the, again, the keywords, Pinterest makes it really easy. You can type a broad phrase into the search bar and these little blocks will appear underneath the search bar. Those blocks are actually the most popular search terms that people on Pinterest are using in relation to that broad search term, which gives you the keywords that they actually are typing in across Pinterest. Right. You don't have to look elsewhere. You just look straight in Pinterest because they give it to you right there. So those are the kind of keywords you'll put into your pin descriptions. So it makes it quite easy for you then really easy and then the second one obviously to stand out is to create a really striking long vertical image that is what the pin would be and it the dimensions are long vertical graphics they're not square like instagram um, and there's specific sizing that you could use but the most important is obviously just to make sure that it's a striking image it's not too cluttered um, it also stands out in the way that Whatever your industry is, you've taken a look at what other people in that industry are doing on Pinterest. So you can see what kind of content seems to be showing up more and more. What kind of designs, you know, the Pinterest images. Is it bright red colors? Is it, you know, the yellows? Uh, how can I differentiate myself slightly so that I stand out when people search a search term? So you can take a look at that as well and see what kind of images are coming up. And then obviously if you actually take your own product images or you purchase stock photos, those are perfect. You just need to put your branding on it. And the more you share your content over Pinterest, the more brand recognition you will get and the more people will begin to trust your pins and recognize your pins in the feed. Love it. Excellent. Two really very, very handy tips there. I know that you've got your, uh, your checklist. Uh, so you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, let's get on and talk about marketing funnels because I know that everybody focuses on getting as many fans and followers as possible on different social media platforms. But what I hear a lot is that they create a lot of noise, but particularly for organic social media, it's not always converting to, to paying clients. So walk me through the process. Now, I think you've got several funnels that you're going to talk to us about. Walk me through the process of how I or somebody else thinking about using Pinterest can actually turn those into paying clients. Perfect. So there's three types of sales funnels that I generally talk about on Pinterest based on the content that you create. And a lot of what Pinterest is about is also understanding what your goal is. And you have to have a goal when you go into Pinterest. You can't just say, I want traffic to my website. You actually need a physical goal that's measurable. So I want email signups that I'm going to nurture to a sale. And you need to know what you're going to be selling them. Because if you don't have that in mind, you can't create a sales funnel because there's nowhere to lead them. So understanding the goal that you have, do I want sales? Do I want email signups? Do I want people to hit my contact form? 
and let me know, like, you know, maybe we get on a sales call, what, whatever it is that you want the end result to be, you're going to then be able to work backwards from there, understanding the content you would share. So the three types of funnels, the first one is a product purchase. So that would be the end result. So yeah. it's a sales funnel that leads to a product purchase. Now this would be digital product or physical product. Right. The second one is an email sign-up funnel because a lot of people want to build their email list to either sell a product, sell a service, uh, invite people to retreats, workshops, whatever it may be. So email signups are a big one that actually has its own sales funnel. Yes. Then the third sales funnel is affiliate sales because it's one that um, a lot of people are using nowadays to obviously make the sales through whether it's like an affiliate to a course or affiliate to a product, whatever it may be, you can be affiliate in your podcast episode, blog post. You could do so many different types of content around an affiliate product. So there's an actual sales funnel for that one as well. Wow. So this is going to be really useful. Uh, should we start with the product, uh, the product purchase sales funnel? Yes. Yes. So when you have the product purchase sales funnel, you're looking at a physical product or a digital product. So either one. Now, your pin, if we start at the Pinterest side, is going to show up in a couple of places. Yeah. It's going to show up in the search results, in your followers' home feed, in the interest feed. So that's another thing Pinterest has. A picked for you section okay. in the group boards. Okay, so these are extra things. I'm just, once you understand a bit more about Pinterest or, you know, we do that checklist, you'll get to know a bit more about these different items. So this is just to describe where your pin would appear because that's the beginning, obviously showing up. Yeah. Um, and it will be on your profile and it could be in Tailwind Tribes, for example. So those are the different places that your pin would appear on Pinterest. And then you obviously have your pin image that you've worked on. You've put, you know, the great keyword descriptions in there. You've enabled rich pins and you've done all that you need to do on the Pinterest side. So in the sales funnel, you have to know where it's going to show up for your ideal client. Then you have to know, have I done everything I can to make this pin really work for me in, in terms of showing up in the feed with the keywords, looking really good, and obviously showing my ideal client exactly where I'm going to lead them to, which would be a piece of content. So with this pin, they click through on the pin, and they're going to land on a free piece of content or on the actual product sales page. That could be a digital product or physical product. If you go down the free content side, you're looking at something like a podcast episode, a blog post, a video, anything that they can access for free. So you generally lead them straight to the free content first. Then you're going to provide them with a content upgrade, which is going to get them onto your email list. So bear with me because I know this isn't the email list one, but these, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> you're going to understand it in a second. Okay. Then you're going to nurture the clients, sell the offer, upsell or downsell. So that's one way to sell this product. Okay. The second one is they're going to click on the pin. So there's under each type, I'll explain. So you've got the pin and it goes to the free content, then to the nurturing, all the way through a nurture sequence. The other one is when they click on the pin, they go straight to your product page. Once they've seen your product page and they've decided to purchase the product, you can upsell or downsell depending on what action they take. Again, you're going to go back to nurturing the customer after the sale, and then you're going to upsell. So, so let me get this yeah. one here, Catherine. Um, yeah. Basically, we're going to 
we're going to put a post up and it's going to do one or two things. It's either going to hopefully get people to go to a product page and make a purchase there because they like what yes. they see. Or if they're not ready to make a purchase, then we want to capture their details so that we can we can follow up in an email sequence and nurture them over time until they are ready to make a purchase. Exactly. And, and the reason why I'm giving you in this one sales funnel, which I call the product sales funnel, there are two directions they could take. And it really flows between the two because in some cases, you will get someone who lands on the product page, the actual product sale page, and they end up um, needing to be nurtured a bit more. So they go and read your blog and they actually find this blog post where you then get them on the email list and upsell to them. It really flows between the two. But what I want to mention here is the fact that if you sell a product, physical or digital, you should never just have one pin leading to that product. You should have one pin that leads to the free content and one pin that leads to the product sales page. And the reason you do this is because each of your ideal clients, for example, that are on Pinterest are at a different stage in a relationship with you. They have different yes. levels of trust. So they either trust you and they've seen your pins before They've seen your products on Pinterest. They now are ready to make a purchase. They've gone to the product page and you can take them through that sales funnel sequence. But if they need a little bit more nurturing, you've given them the opportunity to go through a blog post, a free piece of content that also is helping nurture. Now in this free piece of content, you don't just give them a content upgrade option. You would give them the option of signing up for your email list you know, to nurture them, yeah. but you would also make sure that you mention the product and provide a link to that product page. So as you can see, it actually flows between both of these funnels within this products, um, product funnel. They actually move between the two. You're trying to make sure that if they land on the free piece of content, they have access to that product page by clicking a link or they have access to actually signing up for your email list, getting a bit more nurtured before they make the purchase. The other option is they land on the product page. And if they aren't ready, you've got a blog post there that you've linked to that they're going to go and read to find out a bit more about this product. So you've really actually connected both, but you're keeping two separate pins, leading them there because you don't know where your ideal client is at and you don't want to lose them by only sending them to the product. Exactly. And I think this is an important point, actually, is that a lot of people just aren't ready. People don't buy at our time scales. They, they're buying their own. And if they've not got sufficient trust with us yet, or I was talking with Steve Lois in the last podcast, if they don't have trust for you, if you're not ready to make a purchase, yeah. you've got to continue to nurture them because a lot of people miss those opportunities just by not following up. And you have to make sure that you're the one in control of this, because I think this is the biggest struggle that we all face is we want to just put a post up there, whether it's a podcast episode or a product, put it up there, forget, because it was so hard to create that description. It was so hard to create the show notes and we just want to leave it there. But we don't realize we are the ones in control of this all. We are basically the mother and father of this little baby that we have to nurture and lead through a process. And that's the same with your client. You have to be the one to say, are you not ready for a purchase? Here we go. I'm going to give you the other option as well, which is come like chat to me. Let's, let's connect. I'm going to nurture you until you're ready to make this purchase. You have to be the one presenting them with that because if you don't, 
they will just leave and they likely won't click on your pins again on Pinterest if they've left before because they're like, you didn't offer free value or you didn't, you know, I looked at the product, I wasn't ready. Unless they are really ready later on and they've seen you multiple times on Pinterest, then only will they maybe click through. But again, that comes down to, did you give them the experience that they wanted? So there's a couple of things. <laughs> okay, so it's not pinned you're done. <laughs> no. <laughs> pinned and then carry on talking. And one of the interesting things is I always find that when people think of Pinterest sales funnels, I am talking about Pinterest and there's a lot of Pinterest strategy that you can use in terms of pinning to get your pins seen and reach and things like that. But a lot of the actual conversions, a lot of the work that you do to make the sale from Pinterest happens on your website and it happens from the time that they click through to the time that they make that purchase or they sign up for your email list or they purchase your affiliate product. And there's a lot of little spaces that they could leave in that journey. So you actually need to go and look at the funnel yourself. So you need to walk through it as if you are your ideal client, but you need to be the most picky ideal client there possibly is. Exactly. You, uh, have, you have to be extremely picky. Well, I think the thing is, was talking uh, about LinkedIn the other day and using that there, uh, another good platform. Uh, you, you've got to get them off the platform. So it's no good just putting posts up and then expecting people to, to buy. Sometimes that will happen because they'll just go to your website and make a, a buying a decision. But for the most part, we need to get them off the platform. We need to get them on our mailing list or perhaps a group somewhere, some kind of community where we can continue to have a dialogue and build trust, respect, likability, um, you know, and, and educate people. Definitely. You have to. And you're the one in control of that. You're the one who has to realize that um, your ideal client wants to. If they've clicked through, they are validated already. They are interested in what you have to offer because they've actually clicked through on a pin that was an image that had maybe a bit more information around it. They've clicked through, so they've shown interest. This is a very viable lead. It's not fake traffic. This is something that someone's actually physically searched in Pinterest. They chose to click on your pin. They've clicked through, and you're the one in control of presenting them with whatever it is that you promised you'd present them. And putting a simple product up there with a description that says, it's a size 11 is not going to help with the purchase. <laughs> you know, it's, it really comes down to you being in control of helping them through the different stages, answering all those questions. But that goes into how to convert that funnel. Sure. It's really taking control of that. Okay, so can you give us a practical example about uh, perhaps a client you've worked with in the past uh, who's used this funnel and just walk us through those steps again? Definitely. So with a product, for example, we're going to talk about a actual digital product. So um, it's a workbook that you would purchase at the end. Okay. And what they decided to do, they had a, an actual product sales page. So it's not necessarily like a handbag product, but it was a digital product. So it works the same for both. Yeah. And what we did was we created a pin for the free content. So it led to a blog post, which in that blog post, we linked to the product. So we mentioned, and we, in the intro, we, we gave them an idea of what this blog post was about. So obviously giving them a nice intro, but also led them right then and there to the potential purchase. Then we carried on in the blog post, wrote a really rich, valuable blog post. So this, again, this could be podcast, it could be audio, but we chose written blog posts for this. And it worked really well because it was an actual workbook. So we had 
we gave them steps. So, you know, you kind of take them through the actual steps of what they're going to learn before they actually get the workbook and they purchase the workbook, which had, you know, extra added value content in it. But through that, what we did was if people weren't ready yet to click through and purchase that actual product and go to that sales page for it, there was a content upgrade, a freebie. It was a checklist, super yeah. simple, um, but they, it also helped them just go a little bit further. So it was great, valuable content in the blog post, a little bit further with that checklist, and then they could make the purchase for this product if they decided to. So if they did sign up for this content upgrade, the checklist, they got the checklist and they were put through five emails. So it was an email sequence over a couple of weeks that answered some of the pain points that this actual workbook was answering, but in a less detailed format. So just pulling on those pain points, really helping them understand that this is something that they want to learn. This is the reason, and this is the transformation they'll get from purchasing this workbook. And then you place the offer. So it's a hard sell offer in one of the emails. And if they chose not to take action on it, the next email was a down sell, something smaller than the actual bigger workbooks of $97 workbook. There was a $27 mini version that was just going to help them get started. Um, The upsell from the workbook was obviously more of a training. So a workshop that they could then add on. And so you had this, this entire sales funnel can take them through that whole process. But not only that, we then had the product sales page. So that's the actual um, digital product that was purchased. But we didn't just put the product up there in a little description. It was a full-on sales page, pulling on pain points, pulling on, the, again, the transformation. So really diving into helping answer all those questions. And the reason I said we needed to do this is because if this was a physical product in a store or even a workbook that you could pur- purchase at a store, you may ask the salesman at the store, hey, what size is this handbag? Or what's included in this workbook? You might actually scroll through the little book and see what's in there. You may ask someone there to explain a bit more about it. All of these questions that they have during this process, we wanted to make sure we answered on the actual product page. So this is really important if you have a product or a digital product. You need to think of what your ideal client is asking in a physical store and put that available for them right there on that sales page because no one is there to answer their questions and you want to make it as easy as possible for them to click through. So that's what we did on that sales page. We made sure that it actually answered all those questions. And then if they purchased it, there was immediate upsell. And if they didn't purchase it, then there was a downsell. So, and then also if they did purchase, they got nurtured again into another sequence if they chose not to do the upsell. So you can do a really complicated sales funnel or you can do really simple. (laughs) That's a really good example. Thank you. Yeah, that's a brilliant example. Um, And I was thinking as well that sometimes as marketers, as as entrepreneurs and business owners, we we don't look at things like customers do. And so I think... It's a good point you make. You've got to get into that mindset of the customer. What will they be asking for? And if you can't do it, then enlist somebody else, a friend or, or, or somebody external from your team who can just look at it from the point of view of making a purchase themselves. Or, you know, what things would they be, you know, asking? Would there be, what would their concerns about it be? Exactly. No, it, it's true. And sometimes it can actually be someone you know in your family who maybe is slightly judgmental of your business. Yes. <laughs> you can get into their mind and think, what would they say if they arrived here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would they ask? <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. Critics are really helpful sometimes. 
So that's the that's the product funnel. You touched a little bit on the the email funnel as well. Tell us more about the email funnel. Perfect. So the email funnel is again, it's a, a simplified to very similar to that product funnel, except it only has one direction, which is two free content. Then the content upgrade within that free piece of content. So it can be video, audio, written content. You're obviously going to give them a freebie. That's what people call it. So it's a content upgrade, something for free that takes them a little bit further. So whether it's a checklist or a toolkit or anything like that in exchange for the email. And the reason that you give them this content upgrade or this freebie is because you value their email address and they value their email address and they don't want to give it away for free. No. No. They want to get something for giving you their email address because they're actually giving you the option to get into their personal life. Their email inbox is already full with a lot of stuff. So a lot of people actually go in and unsubscribe. But if they're giving you their email now, they are actually saying, you're welcome in here. I actually want you in here. And you have to then give them really great value in order to stay in there. <laughs> you have to earn but in order, Yeah, you have to earn it, exactly. And you have to constantly earn it. That's the interesting part. But once you, uh, once you create this freebie, you are actually saying to them, I value you and I value your time. And I want to give you something that I know is going to help you. It's going to help you get better at your business or whatever your end client is. So I'm going to help you create re um, meals for your family if it's not an actual business that they're doing. You're just helping, you know, customers and things like that. You are saying, I value you. Here's something that's going to help you. And I'm going to give this to you for free. And then you nurture them. So again, it's not saying straight away, first email, here you go. This is what I'm selling. Take it now. Again, you're going, I'm going to take you one step further. I'm going to make you aware of a pain point, something that is a struggle in your life that you knew of, but you just didn't realize it was such a struggle. And then the next email, I'm going to go slightly deeper into that and dive into what would it be like if the struggle was gone, if something could fix that. And as we go through this nurture sequence, you're eventually going to get to the point where you're saying, I have the solution for you. At this point in this email sales funnel, they have been made aware of a pain point. It's become more urgent since they've been made aware of it. Yes. But not only that, they can now see the transformation that they'll receive once they get your product and once they implement whatever it may be. Now, I say transformation, and I think it scares a lot of people because they think my product doesn't transform lives or my content doesn't transform lives. <laughs> but it does when you are talking about your ideal client purchasing something. Everything we purchase actually transforms our life from food keeps us alive. It's, it's really important. <laughs> you know, so there's all these different things that we think, no, but it's just a beanie or it's just a handbag or it's uh, just Pinterest marketing tips. Um, yes, but it really does transform lives and it transforms their life in particular. Yeah. And what we have to remember as well is that most purchase decisions are based on an, an emotional state that we want to move away yes. from to an emotional state that we want to create in our lives. Exactly. So, you know, is that not a transformation? Yeah. It, it exactly and i think we often think but it wouldn't transform my life and that's because we know the information we already have that product potentially or we can make the product ourselves or whatever it may be if it's a, if you have a podcast and you're teaching people things you already know that information so it's not it feels like it's not going to transform your life but you don't realize that they don't know that information yet and they have yet to go through that process yes um, excellent that's wonderful that's that's really good
So that's the email side up sales funnel. Yes. Yeah? yeah. And you nurture them to a point wherever you want to take them to an offer, to your community for long-term, you know, I don't know, commitment in your community until eventually you have a product, whatever it may be. So typically this will be like a series of emails that will explain about the product, answer questions, kind of be a very focused series of emails. And then when you come mm -hmm. to the end of that, if they haven't made a decision, then you're either going to want to get them onto, as you said, a community, or maybe if you've got a newsletter or something you just send out to people just to keep them aware of what you're up to, then they would go onto that list. Definitely. And sometimes what happens is you take them through the sequence and they're not prepared at that point. They need a little bit more pushing. So what you're going to do is at that point, you're going to keep going with your emails, like your newsletter emails. And every now and again in your newsletter emails, you're going to bring up this specific product because you're continuously selling a service or a product or whatever it may be that you're selling, uh, even advertising space on your website, whatever it may be. So you are continuously going to be presenting them this, but over a period of time, because sometimes they need to see it like a month <laughs> before they actually make the purchase. And I've had this where I'm selling a course and I let them know. And months later, after receiving so many emails, they didn't take on in that first section, but you just keep nurturing them. You just keep sending them, you know, the tips, whatever it may be that you are sharing with them to add value to their process. And eventually they purchase. And you're like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But you don't see it from their side, <laughs> which is it may not have been the right time right then, but you don't want them to forget. And we all have crazy lives, lots of things going on, um, lots of pressures, lack of time. Yeah. You know, quite often, even if we know that we need to do something that's going to make a difference in our lives, we put it off because it's not the right time then. So, yeah, really. Very valuable there. Thank you. The third marketing funnel that you wanted to talk about was affiliate sales. Tell us about that. So one of the things that you would do on Pinterest, again, this is similar to the product one where you can have two pins for an affiliate marketing sale. So you can take someone directly to the affiliate marketing link to the product. So you can use your affiliate marketing link now. Um, and you can send them straight to the product. So those are for people who are more prepared to purchase that product immediately. And the second version is to send them again to a free piece of content and then content upgrade and so on. But what I'm going to explain here with the affiliate marketing link is that when you create this free piece of content for the content upgrade, you can also include this affiliate marketing link in the free piece of content. You want to do that. You want to give them a blog post, a podcast episode, whatever it may be, and make sure that that, in that blog post, that entire free piece of content is purely focused on one affiliate product. Whatever it may be, it can be any kind of product that you are an affiliate of or service or anything like that. You need to make sure that this one blog post only has one affiliate link in it because you really want to make it and I call it a meaty blog post or a meaty podcast episode. It must be full of valuable content and there must be one call to action, which is clicking on this affiliate marketing link and purchasing this product. So you are going to make sure that you have this product sort of strewn throughout the blog post. <laughs> and then you're also going to have a content upgrade, again, a freebie 
that's going to get them onto their email list. So that's the free piece of content. So again, you can actually mix them like, like you're seeing these um, sales funnels can either go email list or purchase. That's, you know, it's really what you want. And now I need to mention again, if you do services, then with a product page, that would be your service page. Just putting that in there because right. I almost forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but with an affiliate marketing link, you want to make sure that it's the focus of this free piece of content. Because if you are sharing too many, people will get overwhelmed. They won't, they will likely not click on any of them. But if you are focusing on one thing, you're keeping their mind on one specific product, they start liking this potential product more and more because they're getting more information about it. They're seeing the value in this potential product. So whether you send them directly to the link or you do it in the free piece of content, you need to make sure you always only have this one clear call to action, which is purchasing this product. Yeah. And actually that's very, very important. You said about one affiliate product, one, aff one link, one call to action. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I see a lot is people who want to get involved in affiliates, they're affiliate for this, affiliate that, for that. And, mm -hmm. and then when, they, when they're either on social media or perhaps they're standing up at an event, introducing themselves, well, they try and throw everything, including the kitchen sink and everything else. Exactly. And people are sitting there wondering, so what's he or she stand for? You know, what are they about? And so it's so true. It's confusing. It is. And if you're confused, imagine like, you know, that's exactly what happens is you get confused as a consumer. And if people are doing this online without even being able to talk to you in a live event or anything like that, yes. or there's no chat button or anything like that, they're not going to be able to understand what exactly you're doing. So it needs to be very clear what it is that you are actually promoting in this affiliate blog post or this free piece of content or free podcast or anything like that you are now going to present this link and you do yeah. that in the same way in your email so if you're sending them in a nurture sequence please do not send like seven affiliate links in one email do one at a time and make those emails really worth it and valuable yeah so the difference as well as if you're speaking at an event there is a good chance that somebody might ask a question to clarify if they're standing right in front of you but if they're on social media, they're not going to spend the time to type something out or whatever. They're, they're not going to go to the effort to ask you. They'll just move on. Exactly. That's exactly what they'll do. And so you want to make sure that you are taking advantage of that. Because if you want affiliate sales and you're only getting a commission, you're obviously wanting to get the traffic there, which is what Pinterest will do. But you want to make sure that all that traffic that reaches, you know, this blog post, this podcast, whatever it may be, is actually converting. And the way that you do that is keeping it to one clear call to action. Excellent. Excellent. So that is the three sales funnels, product purchase, email sign up, and affiliate sales. That's been really useful. People are obviously going to want to find out a little bit more about you. So tell us how people can get hold of you, Catherine. And are you, we also mentioned earlier in the show that you've got a checklist that people can get hold of. Tell us about that as well. Um, yeah. So the checklist helps you set up an SEO optimized, so search engine optimized Pinterest profile, yeah. because as we mentioned, it's a search engine. So you want to make sure you've set up all the necessary items that would be your profile and everything. So I've made it really simple. Put in those 10 steps there with the check boxes and links to extra information about each of those points. So it's a 10-step checklist and it can be um, downloaded or received at katherinemorehouse.com forward slash 10 steps. 
So that's katherinebornhouse.com forward slash 10 steps. Yeah. Excellent. What I'll do is I'll make sure that that link is in the show notes page. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but how else can people get hold of you, Catherine? Perfect. So yeah, you can go straight to my website, Catherine Morehouse, and hit on that contact button and chat with me. Um, I'm also, I know this is funny because I'm a Pinterest person, but I'm on Facebook. <laughs> and that's probably where you would be able to connect with me in the sense that we chat and I help you answer your questions. Because like we mentioned, Facebook is a social media channel. Pinterest is a search engine. <laughs> so you'll be able to connect with me on Facebook, but you'll find all the Pinterest tips on Pinterest. <laughs> it's about the right tool at the right time, yeah? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, tell me a little bit about how you manage all of this, because it seems like there's a lot to do with creating all of this content, as well as putting up the posts and and everything that needs to do how, on a day-to-day -day basis give us a, a few tips about how we can manage our time on pinterest definitely one of the things i love to do is simplify everything and reduce the time you actually spend on pinterest so what i do and what i suggest that you do is get a scheduler like um, tailwind for example where you can go in and schedule your pins out in advance so it's very similar to um, you know, using a thing like Buffer or anything like that. Um, Tailwind and Board Booster are the two Pinterest ones that you could use. If you have Buffer, there is obviously using that. I just seriously suggest that you um, schedule out your pins because otherwise you're going to be on Pinterest every day trying to pin consistently. And pinning consistently is important. So to make it easier, one of the things that you want to do is when you create your podcast episode or you create your blog post, you've spent a lot of time on this piece of content. Yes. So at that point, go straight into Pinterest, type in the blog post keyword in the general search area and find your three to five keywords that you want to use in your pin description. Go create a nice Pinterest image. You can also use it for your podcast episode. You can use it in your blog, whatever it may be. And you pin that straight to Pinterest, add in that really keyword rich description and then schedule it out. And it really simplifies when you think of it like I'm going to do it in a process. So if I create my podcast episodes all at once, then I edit them all at once. Then I'm going to create the images all at once and I'm going to pin them into my scheduler all at once. So again, it's batching. Yeah, it's batching and making sure that when you do these different things, you've got that flow, um, which really simplifies it for me as well. And I try to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I take this one piece of content and use it in as many places as possible. So if you do video content, make sure it's on YouTube, in your blog, and then it's pinned to Pinterest um, with a Pinterest image, obviously. So it's definitely yeah, going through those steps, making sure you identify what you need for Pinterest and then making a flow and batching it like that. So you don't want to be on every day. And that was the very lovely Catherine Morehouse. A lot of fun doing that interview. Don't you just love her energy? The funny thing is that when we first met, we were kind of talking about the amazing opportunities there are to work across the world now. She's in South Africa. I'm here in the UK. And uh, she was saying that a lot of people mistake her accent, her South African accent, for English. I wonder if you made that mistake, if you're not from the UK, or, or whether you think her accent is very different to mine. It'd be interesting to know. Answers on a postcard, please. 
But let me remind you about the cheat sheet and the links that we mentioned in the podcast. They are all available on the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 25. And that page does include the link to Catherine's checklist. So make sure you go and pick that up as well. If you want to carry on talking to me or Catherine, then you can come and join me on my private Facebook group. This is called Earning the Right. Again, the link is on the show notes page. It's free. Come and talk to us. Come ask questions. Tell us what you thought of the show or tell us what you want to hear next on this podcast. And next week, there is no episode because it's Christmas. So my Christmas present to you is giving you a break from me talking. And I'll be back in the new year with a very special episode. Because our first episode next year is all about how you can have a business breakthrough year in 2018. And I've got some really good ideas for you on that one. So make sure you do come back and listen to that episode. That's it for now. Take care of yourself. Here's to you and your highly successful business.